Well, thank you for joining our Facebook page. And let me say a couple of words before I get into our message today. Uh, we invite you to come out uh, to our church and visit our church. If you don't have a church home, I always say to people that are in, that are in a church, make that church the best you can make it. And don't come to mind. But if you're at a place and you need a place to worship, come on out. We're friendly people, down to earth. We're not trying to impress anybody uh, by anything. We're just coming to worship Jesus Christ and honor Him. So we invite you to come out and uh, and just uh, give us a try. Thank you. Let's get into our let's get into our text today. It's about self-control. If you were, we've been working through a, a series of sermons on what it means to really have a heart of Jesus. And, we're looking at this idea of self-control. Christ was someone who had tremendous self-control. We looked at last week, we looked at the negative side of that, someone who was completely out of control. And that person we looked at last week was Samson. I don't want to go back and visit Samson, but he was just living life out of control. We see that a lot today. You might turn on the news, watch the news, and you're seeing people that are living life really out of control. But today I want to focus on the positive side of self-control. And I want to think about a man who lived his entire life with tremendous self-control. If you go back to the Old Testament, think about this person. His name was Daniel. And when I say Daniel, a lot of things come to mind, especially Daniel when he was in the lion's den. And that's, that's kind of what the, where this text is. It's, it's, we're going to think about this as Daniel uh, faces some challenges and is thrown into this lion's den. But he was a man of tremendous self-control. As we get started, I want to tell you a little story about uh, self-control or self-discipline. That word, self-control, is ekrateia, and it means self-control or self-discipline. It's, it's translated the same way. So when we talk about self-control, we talk about someone who has tremendous self-discipline as well. Now, when I was a young kid, I didn't know what I really didn't know what discipline was. To me, discipline was if I did something wrong, I'm in, tr <laughs> I'm in trouble for it, right? That was my idea of discipline. Well, I had a little brother, and we were always into something. We grew up on a farm. We were always getting into stuff, doing stuff we shouldn't do. And about, I don't know, I guess once a week, we got in some kind of awful fight. And So here we were. We were, we were down in the dirt, wrestling and calling each other's names and swinging stuff and throwing stuff and whatever we'd get our hands on, we were doing. And uh, my dad came in and uh, began to break this thing up. He, he was going to have the last word. He always did have the last word. Well, he sent us to our room. And uh, David went up to this room first. It was an old two-story building. He went upstairs first. And I went up later. And we knew what, we were, we knew what was coming. Dad sent us to his room. This is back in the late 60s and early 70s, we knew what to expect. We knew that he was going to come up there and we were going to face some discipline. And that's that old-fashioned spanking. Now, I'm not advocating or saying anything about that, but I am saying that's what, that's what we faced. When I walked into the room, I saw David doing something I thought was strange at first, but then it made perfectly good sense. He was putting on his fifth pair of underwear. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? And then he was putting on two pair of pants over that. Well, <laughs> well, he was getting himself ready for what he knew was coming. And so I began to ask him about it. I said, how long have you been doing this? And he said, man, I've been doing this for three or four months now. And I said, well, uh, does, does it help? He said, yeah. And I said, well, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst pain that we normally experience when we get spanked, what's this bring this down to? And he looked at me and he said, 
are you going to ask questions or are you going to put on underwear? Well, <laughs> he got to the point. I decided that I didn't need any questions. I was going to get ready for the discipline that was going to come my way uh, itself. Now, here's the funny thing, though. When, I, when we thought about discipline, it never dawned on us as children to realize that if we disciplined ourselves, if we had some self-discipline, if we could, could, could have controlled our anger and our frustrations with each other and could have controlled a little bit of the environment of our circumstances, that we wouldn't be facing the outer discipline that was coming our way. We just, for the life of us, could not have self-control or self-discipline. Well, that's kids, right? That's the mark of immaturity. Well, it's the same way in our lives today as believers. Whenever we are a people, whenever we find ourselves without self-discipline, it shows us the immaturity that we have. Now, I want to take you to this story of Daniel, and I want to show you some principles in Daniel about what it means to have self-control and self-discipline. The time we get to Daniel, who's a man who's close to 90 years old, been serving the Lord all of his life. And uh, he's, very, he's, he's always been a very disciplined person. I want to read the text. It's in Daniel 6. It starts in verse 1 and goes through verse 5. The story goes on, but this is the text I want to read to you. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom and that they would be in, in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them, three commissioners of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began to distinguish himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could not find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will, not found, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. What were they saying? They said, well, we're going to use Daniel's beliefs, his own laws to trap him. And they went to work. And so they were doing their best to find some kind of government corruption, some kind of collusion. We've heard that word a lot. Trying to find something that Daniel was doing. Maybe he was, maybe he was embezzling money. Maybe he was doing some under-the-table stuff. They put people and lawyers to work to try to find something, and they could not. Now, let's get to the principles of how we have self-discipline in our life or what kind of self-discipline we need. First of all, I want to share this with you. First of all, make sure, make God's Word the level on which you live. Make His Word the standard of your self-discipline. In other words, whatever God's Word says, let that be what you are going to live by. Let God's Word be your standard. Now, Daniel's principles for his life were God's Word. They knew that. They knew that about Daniel. And they began to study his law. Now, these were people that were not Jewish people, and so they didn't necessarily know too much about what Daniel believed or didn't believe. And so they go back, and maybe they interviewed other Jewish people to kind of find out, and they begin to tell them about perhaps the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments would have said very early on, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image. You 
not to bow down to any graven image. You should honor a God. And so they took that of what they discovered about Daniel and came up with this plan. Now, we know what their plan was, what their plot was. They were going to have no one bow down to anyone except King Darius for 30 days. And uh, they were convinced that Daniel was so, uh, so much a man of God's word that Daniel would not stop worshiping God. They believed that about him. He was a man of conviction and they knew it. So they felt like they had him trapped. And as we're going to see, uh, in a, in a, they did have him trapped, but God was going to deliver him. Now, the satraps, the commissioners, they go to work. They begin doing everything they can. They use Daniel's word against him. But even though, even, though Daniel's, even though Daniel's word of God was used against him, he wouldn't back away from that. Daniel was committed to doing things God's way, even if it cost him something. Now listen to me. You're going to face a lot of times in your life where you're tempted to step away from God's word, but never do it. Make God's word the level of your self-discipline. Make His Word that which you stand on. And that's what Daniel did. When you read God's Word and when you study God's Word, don't study God's Word for information alone. Study God's Word for transformation. And there's a big difference. Don't just read the Bible to be reading about facts and stories. Read God's Word as it looks inside of you that you might be transformed, that it might make you what God wants you to be. Let God's Word be your standard. Get in God's Word. You might, have, you might have only been a Christian a few years or maybe many years, but keep God's Word as your standard. Here's the secret to life. God's Word will always bring a blessing. God's Word will bless your life. And don't let your pride keep you from obeying God's Word. And I'm, sometimes I think there's so many people that are going to miss heaven and they're going to find themselves in the, in the judgment and perhaps in hell because they just wouldn't humble themselves to obey God's Word and do what God's Word said. And we know the Bible says that you must trust Christ as your Savior. You have to put your faith in Him in order, you, in order to be forgiven. And I pray that's something that you've done, that you've received Christ as your Savior. And once you have, stand on God's Word. Now, secondly, not only was there the discipline and the standard of God's Word, but secondly, never compromise from that level on which you live. Now, think about this for just a minute. This was the law. They were, everybody in the... Babylonian kingdom, okay, they were to bow down to King Darius for 30 days, okay? No one was to pray to anybody else. No other gods were to be worshipped, and there were all kinds of different religions and different gods, but only for those 30 days. And I asked myself, well, what would it have hurt Daniel for 30 days just to have kind of quietly went into his house and and uh, in the very secret of his house when it's very dark and no one's watching and no one knows that he would just simply worship God where no one would know and he wouldn't be seen. Well, that wasn't Daniel's practice and he wasn't going to make it his practice. You see, he wasn't going to compromise in any way who he was. And Daniel, three times a day, would go into his room and open his windows and he would pray facing Jerusalem. And part of that prayer would be that God would deliver them and let, and let the nation of Israel return back to Jerusalem and Jerusalem would be its own country again. 
And so he was praying that. But he was praying to God. He was listening to God. And he would not back away from that which God had called him to do. I want to tell you about a, uh, an American hero that you probably don't know too much about. His name is Elijah Lovejoy. Elijah Lovejoy did a lot of things. Uh, he was a school teacher. He was, he was an editor. He ran a printing press and he was a minister. He did all those things. And uh, I kind of sometimes kind of feel a little bit about what he was going through. He wore a lot of different hats. But he felt like, this was back during the 1800s, he felt like as, as he fought against slavery, he felt like that he could do more good by running his printing press than by preaching at the pulpit or being a minister. And so he stepped away from the ministry, stepped away from teaching school in order that he might focus in on operating that printing press. Uh, four different times his printing press was destroyed. The first time was in Missouri, and that was a pro-slavery state. And it was destroyed, and he ended up leaving Missouri, and he went over into uh, Illinois, <coughs> in Illinois to set up this printing press again. And there, the pro-slavery people kept persecuting him and persecuting him, and they, would, and they destroyed his press. They destroyed it as soon as he got there. He bought another one. He set it up. They destroyed it over and over and over again. The fourth time, they set fire to the building of which his printing press was at and destroyed it, set fire to it. And while Elijah Lovejoy was putting out the fire, he was shot and he was killed. Four days before he was shot and killed, this is what he said. If by compromise you mean that I should cease from my duty, I cannot make it. I fear God more than I fear man. Crush me if you will, but I shall die at my post. And those words became prophetic because Elijah Lovejoy did indeed die at his post. Live life on God's level. Don't compromise. Others are going to try to bring you down to their level. And that's what I guess me and my little brother were doing. We, were, we would bring each other down to the lowest level. Don't let other people who would attack you and argue against you and say things against you and get your emotions stirred up. Don't let them bring you down to the level that you don't want to live at. Don't let it happen. Don't compromise the self-discipline and the self-control that you have before God because someone pushes the wrong buttons or the right buttons or whatever it is to bring you to that level. Every day, every day, I think we're challenged to live life on a lower level. You're challenged that way every day, where you work, where you go. Sometimes even your own family has a way to bring you down to that lower level. Don't do it. Don't live on someone else's level. Live on the level of God's Word, those, those principles that are your convictions. Now, self-discipline involves living on God's level. Secondly, it's not compromising that level. But you say, well, how do I do it? How do I get myself to where I'm not compromising what God wants me to do or, or how He wants me to live and the kind of character He wants me to have. Here's, here's the key. The key is exactly what Daniel did. You have to be someone who's praying. And if you're not spending time in prayer, you're not going to be able to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help you stay on the level that God wants you to be on. Live life on God's level. And to do so, you got to be praying. And Daniel, three times a, a day, prayed that God would speak to him. He was listening. He was thinking. He was praying. 
and he never got on their level. He didn't go and, and try to pass his own laws, or he didn't go complain to King Darius about the plot that was going on and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, Darius was smart enough to see through all that and did see through all that. Now, here was the law that was passed. If you worship any other, any other god or being or deity other than Darius for those 30 days, you were to be thrown in the lion's den. And that law, once it was signed by these Medes and Persians, you couldn't turn away from it. It was set. You, you couldn't turn away from it. It was just set. Darius tries every way he can to try to find a loophole in this law that he himself had signed. They played, they played King Darius against his own pride. They made him feel very proud of the fact that everybody would be worshiping him. And they used him, and he later understood it, as we'll get to that a little bit later. Now, listen to me. Keep praying, because as you pray, you will discover the Spirit of God. You will begin to be filled with the Spirit of God, and the love of God will begin to fill you. Keep praying and let the Spirit of God empower you. Don't try to live life with willpower. You'll always fail. Live life in spirit power and you'll succeed. And the way to do that is to be praying. Uh, I'm an Andy Griffith fan. I watch Andy Griffith all the time. And I know just about every episode. I've seen about every episode probably 10 times. And that's probably not an exaggeration. Maybe more than that. But one of my favorite ones is, is when uh, Mr. Darlin comes into Mayberry. And uh, he's visiting Andy's house. And Aunt B is so polite and so kind, and she's giving him extra food and different things. And all of a sudden, he's convinced that Aunt B, uh, Aunt B's in love with him, and so he's convinced he's going to marry Aunt B. Well, Aunt B and Andy object, but he just believes that Aunt B's objecting because she wants to be uh, humble and and all this other stuff. And so he ends up kidnapping Aunt B, taking her out to this shack of which he and his sons lived. And they're out there in that shack with Aunt B. And so Andy comes, and they don't know exactly what to do. Now listen, in this, in this little episode, what Aunt B tries to do, she tries to change him. And she's convinced that if she tries to change him, that he's going he's gonna to reject it. So she begins to make him clean the house. And so he's moving furniture and mopping the house putting the furniture outside. She makes him take a bath. <laughs> and so he's out in this old tub and he's taking a bath and she's sitting down at the, at the table and she's uh, trying to teach him manners. And she's got this little, I think it's a wooden spoon and she's making him wear the napkin a certain way. And when he's got an elbow on the table, she smacks his hand. And finally he has enough. And he says, I can take a little cleanliness and I can take a little manners, but I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be beat up by any female. And he calls off the ceremony and calls off the wedding. Now listen, he had reached his limit. And so his love for Aunt B was conditional. When it got to the point to where the greater and greater sacrifices had to be made, he just couldn't do it. Now listen to me. We do a lot of things we wouldn't do for ourselves, we will do for love's sake. A lot of things that we normally wouldn't do, we might do it because we love somebody. We might go out of our way to do things for them that otherwise we wouldn't do. I'm the, I'm the same way. 
You see, when you begin to pray, you begin to get filled with God's Spirit and His love. And you'll begin to do things that otherwise, normally you might not otherwise do. Stay in prayer and the love of God will help you have the self-control to be able to treat people the way that you would want to be treated yourself. The love of God will give you the patience that you need, will give you the discipline that you need, will give you the kindness that you need, will give you the forgiveness that you need. The love of God will help you be a person that's able to live on that level of self-discipline that we so want to live. But if you're not praying and being filled with God's Spirit, you're not going to have the power to be able to do it. Now, I've got one more thing I want to share with you before I close. Finally, Daniel trusted God to accomplish God's own purpose. God had a purpose. Daniel was doing everything he knew to live for God, and things were spiraling out of control. You ever feel that way? You feel like you're just doing everything God wants you to do, but everything's just spiraling out of control? Well, I've got good news for you. God's still in control. God knows what's going on. God loves you, and He's going to take care of you. Now listen, I want you to see three things that happen. The laws passed. They discover Daniel who's praying, and they come to, the, to King Darius and say, we've caught Daniel praying. He's praying to his God, and King Darius tries to get out of it. Can't. Daniel ends up being thrown into the lion's den. I want, you, I want to share with you three things. First of all, an angel is sent to keep the lines from Daniel. Okay? I was, uh, I was reading about this this week, and I heard this one uh, minister say, well, Daniel must have laid down on that line and put his hand on his mane and watched the tail, the, the tail of that line wag back and forth. I don't believe that's the way it was. I believe the angel came down and stood between Daniel and death. I believe the angel came down and stood between some ferocious, hungry lions and Daniel. And I believe if that angel hadn't have been there, I believe those lions would have devoured Daniel. But the angels came down and stood between life and death. I want you to know that's what Jesus does for us. He is our great Savior. He comes down to stand between life and death. He comes down to deliver us. He comes down to give us everlasting life. He came to take death's place for us. He died that we might live. That's the greatness of Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's God's Son, and He comes down to defeat this roaring lion that wants to take us to hell, that wants to destroy us and destroy our lives. And He comes down to give us life and life more abundantly. That's the greatness of Jesus Christ. The angel came and delivered Daniel, much like Jesus Christ comes to deliver us. Secondly, I want you to see the enemies of Daniel face their own judgment. They face their own judgment. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. Daniel allowed God to discipline and judge those people, his enemies, in God's own time. What happened to those enemies? Darius saw through that. And when Daniel was delivered, he was so overjoyed that Daniel was set free, but he was so upset with these men that they were thrown into the lion's den in place of Daniel. And before the Bible says, before, they could, before their bodies reached, before they reached the bottom of the pit, the lions had already uh, overpowered them. God will deal with your enemies. Trust God. God will deal with those enemies. He'll take care of them. And finally, I want you to see the glory of God that was proclaimed. And I want to read a couple of verses. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in the land. 
May your peace abound. I make decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. We know that. And his dominion is forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Isn't it funny how God is glorified and how Darius recognizes the greatness of God? Now listen as I close. When you live a disciplined life in self-control and you're living on God's Word, making no compromises, a person of prayer, allowing the Spirit to fill you and work in your life, trust God and as you do, God will be glorified in your life. Great things will happen. People will see Christ in you. People will turn to Jesus. You'll be impactful. You'll make a difference. But when you get down on that lower level, when you get down on the level of someone else, like I often did as a, as a kid, you, you, never, you never glorify God that way. You never do. Let God defeat your enemies and give Him the glory and glorify Him. And we do it in the great name of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for uh, being with me today. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I invite you to do that. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If, you just, if you've never prayed this prayer of faith and confession and trust in Christ, I just invite you to do that where you, right where you are. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we know that we need you. We believe that you sent your Son to die for us. And you said that if we'll trust you, if we believe in you, if we'll put our faith in you, we can be forgiven. Forgive us of our sins. Come into our heart, Lord Jesus, and be the Lord of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and uh, God bless you. Hope to see you soon. Amen.